You're listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum. This podcast is sponsored by Zoom to You, Australia's on-demand courier marketplace. Get your parcels delivered within hours rather than days. Today we have with us Alexis Sulipoulos, co-founder and CEO of MadPause. Welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Thanks for joining us on Founders on Air today and congrats on what you're building with um, the MadPause marketplace. It's one of the great success stories in our sharing economy here in Australia. So um, on that note, tell us, how did you get started as an entrepreneur, Alexis? Yeah, well, um, look, my, my parents, they built entrepreneurial businesses as well, traditionally, but this always gave me the spark or the, the, the excitement to look into entrepreneurship. And my dad said, look, Alexis, first get like uh, all the good boys and girls consulting jobs, learn, and then I think it would be very good to work for yourself. And it happened a bit differently because I went to university and I, after my, my, my degree in Belgium, I went and studied in Australia and immediately after finishing my degree here, because it was so much focus on entrepreneurship and also meeting what would become my business partners, we said, you know, should we try something? Should we try this marketplace for pets? It seems like a really good idea. We're all pet lovers. We're all passionate by the problem. Should we try it? And to answer your question directly, how I started was really by just saying, you know what? I just graduated from university. I have nothing to lose. I'm very excited to try it. And indeed, I've got nothing to lose. And this is how we put the first steps into motion, just validating the idea in the dog park. Hey, what do you do with your pet when going on holidays? And then, yeah, commissioning a website built MVP, very, very MVP. And that's really how we started. Yeah, great. And so tell us a bit about MadPause. What's, what's MadPause all about? Well, MadPause is Australia's and New Zealand online pet community. And what we started with is really connecting pet owners with pet sitters and dog walkers to look after their pets when the pet owner can't. And this is great so, because when you go on holidays, what do you do with your pet, dog, cat, rabbit? You want to ensure that they have a fantastic time with a great pet sitter. Or when you're working late, we find you someone that's going to look, going to walk the dog, which for us is really recurring revenue because people need dog walks constantly. But we do a number of other things, such as really building an awesome content platform around it. We've got half a million subscribers on our website, users of our platform. and They're also very much there for the community and for the content. And we know there is a whole universe of more needs for or, or more solutions for pet owners' problems that we're now very seriously working on. What's the strangest pet that you've um, been asked to look after or walk, uh, like a stick insect or something like that? People always ask me this question, and I seriously considered making something up because it's not that strange. <laughs> but we did have little piglets, which was very cute. Very cute. That was the one. No alligators. No alligators, no kangaroos, no... S- oh, snakes, yeah. We had snakes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I've got a friend with a snake, I'll tell him. Yeah. <laughs> Here's to you, Jono. <laughs> Fantastic. And I mean, the, the pet sector, it, it's a huge and growing industry here in Australia. How many pets are there in Australia and, and how many would you at MadPaws have looked after so far? In, and how many years have you, you guys been running now? So look, there are many, many pets in Australia. There are close to 25 million, but the ones that we, of course, majorly focus on are dogs and cats, which is close to 10 million, which is more than there are teenagers in this country. And MadPaws so far looked after 100,000 um, 100, customers. Wow. So that's a bit more pets because some of them have two or three pets. Fantastic. Awesome. 
And what was it like sort of early on in the early days of building the business and how did you get sort of that initial bit of traction and getting going and building the marketplace? Yeah, look, the early days of the business were very exciting because everything was very new and very tough because nothing was working. The first, a very early traction we got through, I was working in fish burners and we launched the website very, very quickly. And that was awesome. But all the customers on the website were calling me to tell me, there were exactly five of them. They're all calling me to tell me the flaws of the system. In fact, they couldn't progress to making a booking. So we definitely launched very, very fast. You could argue too fast, but nonetheless, I'm happy that we launched quickly because two months later, there were 50 different competitors. And so I think honestly think that if we didn't launch as soon as we did, despite all the flaws, but were able to help our customers over the phone, we may not have been here today to tell the story. Not that story, at least. <laughs> so, so I think launching quickly was, was one of the success things which we did. And then, but then being very close to the customer and um, learning from them and then learning what they liked, but also learning what they didn't like. And um, I think that was very, very important. Learn, launch fast, learn from the customers. And another thing that we did and that I think contributed to our early success was we didn't have a lot of marketing budget. We didn't have a lot of technology budget, but how could we nonetheless find existing demand. Yeah, Google is demand. People are usually looking for particular services, in our case for pet sitting, but Google is very expensive. So when you're starting out, you can do a little bit of it, but maybe not yet a lot. And also we didn't have a marketing manager. But what we did is we got inspired by the Airbnb story where they found their very first house listings on Craigslist. Yeah, it's kind of the country of, uh, yeah, yeah. of United States. And for us, it was very similar. I was solving all the website problems because I'm not technical, but that was my job. It wasn't that great, right? As I told you. And yeah, I had uh, a very young, early employee. And I said, please, can you, you know, expand the business all over Australia? Because there's 50 pet sitters, uh, sorry, 50 other companies are launching as well. And uh, he said, and then he listened to that story about Airbnb that I told him earlier. And he started posting ads on Gumtree. And more and more ads. And we started seeing really awesome traffic from Gumtree. And I think the learning from it is where on the internet are people already looking for your service or your products? And in our case, it definitely was Gumtree. Can you direct them to a better solution? And this is then the Madpool solution. And this is very much how we got our first demand for pet sitters um, and our first pet owners as well on the platform. Yeah, awesome. And how did you do that? Was it just by placing an ad on, on Gumtree with a little blurb about mad and exactly which is free yeah and that doesn't scale like today we can't grow the business by posting more ads on yeah. country but it definitely got us to our first 10 transactions for both for finding pet owners and pet sitters and then actually in fact to our first 20 30 50 maybe 70 and that's when you get really into a vibe of okay this thing is working yeah we certainly didn't find the scalable acquisition channel yet but we've proven that there is demand we've proven that there is supply and we've proven we can connect it now it is warranted to raise a bit of capital by the way investors are seeing some really nice early growth now it is warranted to start searching for scalable acquisition channels and have a bit of marketing testing budget so that that was the point when you sort of realized that you had product market fit when you started seeing the transactions starting to roll through yeah exactly yeah, exactly cool. and then there was a good story and uh, that's how it proceeded awesome so you've got some big brands on your shareholder register, some, some great Australian businesses like Qantas. Tell us how that came about and um, what do those partnerships look like today and, and how have they been for Madpaws? 
Yeah. So when we started the business, at the, around the time that I was talking to all those customers that had many flaws to report, we already were thinking, which would be now the ideal partner in Australia? And we said, look, there is definitely one pet-related ideal partner, but there is also one travel-related ideal partner. And this would be Qantas because of their very dominant position and their, I believe it's eight or 10 million frequent flyer members in the database, of which we know 60% of them have pets, just like all Australian households. And so it means that there's a huge number of people that have pets. So how it came about is, one thing I do is I build up, this is a good one as well, I, whoever interesting I meet that is kind of interested in helping the business or in potentially future investor investing, I say, no problem, would you like to be kept informed in the loop on Maples and I sent them quarterly updates, not too dissimilar to the investor updates I sent to my investors. And so I do that and people feel on the journey and at time that we need an investment, there is a pool of people that is already really interested. So the sofa has proven very well. But one of the things we did uh, maybe three years ago was, hey, pool of interested people in the Maples journey who see my you know, emails every quarter, would you be, would you know anyone in the Qantas organization, because this is our ideal partner. And now that we have achieved some scale, we think it's worthwhile for them as well chatting to us. And so one uh, person who is very well connected in Australia, corporate, in corporate Australia, from that database or from that list of people that I, that I interact with on a quarterly basis, was able to make an introduction. And this, what happens then is everyone in Qantas, big organization, is very excited. But as we all know, running businesses, we're very excited, but we've got our normal line of business work to do as well. So things were progressing, very positive interactions, but also very slow interactions. And then we were got, I guess, got lucky because this is when Qantas launched an accelerator, meaning the board said, we want to engage with startups. It's very important. It's part of your KPIs for the whole of the organization to work on this accelerator. And so this is when our conversations got fast-tracked very, very significantly. And this is how we were able to close the partnership, which was partly an investment and partly a commercial partnership. And now it's quite awesome. When you travel um, domestic airport, you see two huge Madpost banners next to the security check-in. So you absolutely can't miss them. And uh, yeah, I think that's completely super valuable real estate, as well as whenever you travel and the system knows you have a pet, Madpost advertising will be targeting you. Fantastic. And you can earn Qantas frequent flyer points when you, you book through Madpaws, which is uh, another great perk. Exactly. And so would you recommend to other startups to consider partnering with, with corporates? And what advice would you have in that regard from your learnings? Look, I mean, the answer is yes, but the answer is at what, what priority does it have partnering with, with uh, big corporates and at what stage? I think for a consumer business, there is a lot of work involved into partnering with, with big corporates. And I think the payoff is definitely there. But let's also benchmark it towards finding large-scale digital acquisition channels. From my experience, this for you know B2C um, kind of company is, from my experience, is the priority. So I, I'm very happy that we invested first the time in Google, Facebook, making those channels work before spending all of those hours um, trying to make a corporate partnership work. That's great advice. And so MadPause must be a, a fairly intensive customer service operation. I mean, you have, as you said, you've, you've had hundreds of thousands of transactions today. How have you managed to scale your operations? Yeah, look, I think 
It's of course pets. So what's very important is that we have procedures in place, but also treat those procedures with yeah, a human heart. I think what's of course important is that we have a strong operational team led by a strong operational leader with great experience. And what we found a lot of success in as well is scaling both offshore in our case in the Philippines, but also in Australia. I believe some tasks are really well done by our amazing team offshore. And I believe for some tasks, it's really good to have someone in this time zone dealing with some of some of the things. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. And that brings me to my next question is about sort of building out your team, both for the support and engineering team offshore. How did you go about building that team and what tips would you give for, for people? Yeah, absolutely. So building offshore teams, I think a few things are very important. And uh, I learned a lot from, from you actually, Mike, as a bit of credit. But I think the first thing is treat the offshore team 100% as part of the onshore team. And so I think our offshore operation benefited greatly from a lot of early interactions of our team going there, spending a lot of face-to-face -face time with them, and now and also continuously, continuously um, following up like once a quarter at least, um, our team is over there. And I think it's also important to build a culture there. So it means, yep, they have the t-shirts, they have the same point forward trophy every month. They have a lot of team activities we do here as well. And I think... What's also important is we do a lot of showing the progress in Maples here in Sydney. And one of the feedbacks that we got from our offshore teams is we'd also really love to see how the business is tracking and the detailed numbers and so on. So we now always include them into showing how the metrics are evolving. And they find that extremely motivating to understand how their work translates to the business results that we're seeing. And how hard was it sort of in training those customer service staff in, in the early days? Look, I think... It's the same as in, in anywhere. It will always depend on who you hire. And I think we benefited greatly from having a, a very good local team that then could hire a really good first team and strong team lead offshore, who could then hire really strong customer service agents offshore as well. So I think it's, a, it's, the, it's the same as it is here. Hire A players and they will continue hiring A players. And then with everything I said before, keep the contact close and the culture very close yeah. as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. And so Mad Pause has won a number of uh, awards and is ranked the 14th best place to work for by LinkedIn. So that's uh, pretty exciting. So how did you go about building such a, such a great culture? Yeah, thanks. I mean, this is very much because of uh, we have a great team that very much cares about culture, I think. And I think we did a few things well. And also we, we learned along the way and, and got, got better because of that. But I think early on, we defined our a set of values. and. I think it's actually a very good thing to do because you use them in interviews so that you ensure that the right people join the company who, who think that those values, you know, reliability and so forth, are very important. Um, and also it's, it becomes an easy way to hold team members accountable very quickly, and to, but also to reward good behavior. And we did things on those values. We did things such as our paw, dog and cat feet, paw it forward trophy. So every end of the month, we give that trophy to whoever exhibiting the best mad pause values. And I think that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And I think we really invest the time to make it a fun place to work. And I think a fun place to work is a good balance between we're here with a bunch of people that really like working with each other and is motivated by working with each other. And yes, there is, we're also, yeah, we, to a degree also friends and we will do fun activities, but also have the balance with, hey, it's a growth company. Let's really go hard, test stuff fail, but then optimize, don't fail twice on the same thing 
and really focus, focus, focus on seeing that graph go steeper and steeper up. And I think the combination of both is very powerful to have uh, yeah, a really great vibe. I want to be here. I want to do better. I want to bring this business to the next level. And there is one more secret weapon that unfortunately not all companies can use, which is we're about making pet ownership easier and about making giving pets a happier life. And this is something that a lot of people really want to be part of. This podcast is sponsored by Parkhound, Australia's parking marketplace, to find a convenient parking space near your home or office. Yeah, excellent. And did you have, I mean, everyone sort of makes the wrong hires, has the wrong people, sort of, did you have anyone sort of join your team that wasn't right and didn't fit inside your culture? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. it's just sometimes people who don't, who don't buy into the culture and maybe they would work really well in other organizations, but there are certain things that we will just not tolerate, such as, look, if you say you're going to do something, then, then do it, okay? And uh, yes, maybe once you forget, no problem. But if it's consistent behavior, this will negatively impact everyone in the team because if one person gets away with it, it uh, why, why would everyone else um, live up to high standards? So we definitely had, it, had that, not so often, but when we did, I th- my learning was take action very quickly and the team will appreciate it. Yeah, cool. So Alexis, you're now at a real level of scale. Can you share with us some of the marketing tips and tricks that have helped you scale your business? Yeah, absolutely. I think for marketing, it is testing a lot of things, but then really doubling down on what works. We certainly don't have a magic bullet within Madpulse. It's a combination of a number of things, but we definitely have a combination of channels that just work better than other channels. And Google certainly is one of them because there is just a huge surge demand for pet sitters, dog walkers, and so forth. And I think the tip from that one is, if that's the case, like hire, and it's, it can run profitably, hire someone that, that uh, or maybe an agency that, that can optimize it because there is a lot of learning to do. The second learning there is, if your Google search is working well, it means imperatively that you start investing early and very focused in SEO as well, organic search, because if you're paying for the demand, it means the free demand is there as well. And this long-term is what's going to make this a long-term, you know, very, very yeah, continued growth without all continuously spending business. That's been very good for us. We're also very good at building up an email database and we do that with content. Hey, Australia's top dog names, Australia's top dog breeds, how to stop your dog from barking, the perfect star sign for your dog. And because of our really awesome content, we built now our database of pet owners that are engaging with the content, like high open rates and so forth, to half a million pet owners. And we just keep sending them really interesting and relevant content, meaning not book now, book this, book that, but some of the examples I just gave, so that Madpulse remains top of mind by the time they need it. How often are you sending out those emails? Every five days. Some people ask me, hey, Alexis, but don't you have huge unsubscribe rates if you send so many emails? Look, there are people unsubscribing, of course, but A, we try to make the content so as best as possible so that it's of genuine interest to the, um, to the subscriber base. And B, by a point, if our potential customers unsubscribe, it also means that they might not be so interested in using my service. Right? So we, yeah, we like sending relevant content, interesting content, not, not too pushy. That's what we're doing. And on the back of that, when you ask about marketing, I think we did a good job in building a really awesome community around the brand. If you type in Facebook Madpause or Instagram Madpause, you literally see thousands of Facebook pages by fans and pet sitters and, and so on, 
created about our brand. And I kid you not, I've seen cars driving around in Sydney in our turquoise color with mad post branding collateral that we never produced. So I think wow. what I think what we did well, and this major, majorly the our team of pet lovers, is really bring a build a really cool, yeah, brand. I think it is. So building a marketplace isn't cheap, as uh, some of us in this space know. So how much capital have you raised to date? And tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah, we raised uh, approximately $10 million over the journey of Madpos, of which we still have a good chunk, so a good good way, um, yeah, really good to further accelerate the business. Yeah, look, capital raising, uh, indeed, marketplaces, they, they often take time, they often take money. It's, of course, always a function of growth versus, yeah, it's a function of growth, how much growth you want to do, where Madpos is now doubling its revenues still year on year, which we're very excited about. And um, yeah, I think investment is a really great way as well to get really awesome advisors and people that have done it before to come on board and, and uh, help you out. And what would you say is being key to sort of securing that funding? How, what's made you successful in raising that $10 million? I think it is, well, I think the first thing is you, you need a good business that is showing good metrics. Yeah? And those metrics always come down to, yes, what does the growth look like? What do the actual revenue and GMV levels look like? But also what do the underlying unit economics look like? What does it cost to acquire a customer and what will they be spending over their lifetime? And I think showing good, great evolution on those metrics and getting those metrics in check is eventually what will sell a good story. Well, what will show that it is a good story to potential investors. But it's not all of it, right? Like you also need to get in front of the right audiences. And then I think that's where I think that having networks and having good investors on board that then can introduce other investors. And if you're early stage, being aware of the angel dinners that are happening around Sydney and so forth, I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah excellent. And so can you share with us a, a hairy moment uh, in the early stages of building the business and, and how you got, got through that moment? Yeah, absolutely. So in the early stages, I told you we launched this MVP. It wasn't too great, but we got us into better stages. Because of our um, Gumtree growth hacking tactics that I explained to you earlier, we had a lot of user signups, heaps. We had a lot of pet sitter signups, heaps. And there were seemingly, there were a lot of things going very well. There were 7,000 users that signed up on zero marketing dollars because we were flooding Gumtree with Madpulse advertisings. And we were in the news constantly. And to the to a point that I was very proud and I was telling my family that my dog walking business was working out. And we were in the press yeah, well, that's what I just said. We're in the press constantly. So there were a lot of really good things happening. But we got so distracted that we forgot to really focus on what we would later call our North Star metric, which for Matt was at the time was number of bookings. And it really was flat for the first four, five and a half months on like two, three bookings a day. Very little. Yeah. Maybe it was a bit more, but it was very little. Now try raising capital on a flat growth curve at those early stages, it's like almost better that you don't have any numbers at all to show. <laughs> <laughs> so look, that wasn't easy. And uh, it was also my, my competitor, who has a very similar name at around the same time, raised uh, quite a substantial round here in Australia, actually. And uh, yeah, I always tell this story. Half of my friends asked, hey, Alex, are you going to go back to Belgium? Let's go for a beer. That's very sad. And the other half of my friends, because the name is very similar to, the, to a degree, I was um, said, hey, let's go for a beer. Congratulations. 
But um, none, I didn't go for any beers. Instead, started digging very deep into the numbers. And there was no analytics software at the time. It was We had to dig much deeper. But we saw, yes, we got many users, like a lot. We've got many pet sitters, many pet owners. Yes, we got many booking inquiries. But what we're not having is that North Star metric bookings. And the reason is what often happens in marketplaces, the liquidity issue. Do you first build supply or first demand? We clearly started with a lot of supply all over Australia because there were so many competitors and we wanted to expand quickly. But the downside to it was by the time those pet sitters got their first booking inquiry two months after signing up, they were already no longer engaged. It's like as if you were to sign up for Uber and your first inquiry to pick up a passenger mm. only happened mm. in two months from now. You already found a different way to spend your time. Yeah. So this is what we were finding as well. And how we solved it then is really just picking up the phone, doing what the technology wasn't doing. Hey, this is Alexis from Madpulse. I'm going to help you find the very best pet sitter. Thank you for your trust. Then call the pet sitter. Hey, it's Alexis from Madpulse. What's Madpulse? What's Madpulse? Would they ask? And I would explain. You signed up three months ago <laughs> to look after puppies. It's great. It's fun. Here's what you need to do. Okay, fantastic, Alexis. And I can show you guys the growth graphs, but I'll describe it now to all the listeners. The very moment that we picked up that phone and started calling everyone, our growth went from flat to sky high. And then we couldn't, of course, keep calling everyone any anymore. It was just too much. Yeah, it didn't work anymore. So then we started text messaging and we had this really nice team member that we hired just for sending text messages, <laughs> first on the phone, then on the computer. And then she couldn't do that anymore. So we hired two and then we couldn't do that anymore. And then, but by this time we learned so much from first myself chatting to all the customers and all the pet sitters, then sending all those text messages that we were able to code up many, many different notifications into the technology. And I think the learning from this is the business almost went bankrupt in those early days because our North Star metric wasn't working. Yeah. We fixed it by doing something very manual, essentially using the technology as a lead generation and just solving all the issues over the phone. Yeah. This was never going to scale. This was very unprofitable on a per booking level as well, but there were not many bookings. But what it did was we learned so much about our pet sitters, about our pet owners and the way to solve this liquidity issue that we were then able to use those um, learnings and implement them in the technology for automated notification systems. If we didn't pick up the in the early days that phone and if we didn't do that unscalable method to get to the North Star metric, we'd have never been able to code it up into technology and to be where we are now. Yeah, it makes sense. I think doing those things that don't scale in the early days is just like so important because you just learn so, so much through that process. Yep, great. And looking back, was there, was there anything else that you sort of saw was like a thing that you built that was like really important for sort of further success as you sort of went past that sort of early stages? Yeah, look, I've been... In a marketplace, that connection is very important. In our case, pet owners and pet sitters. And things that are very important for us is the search ranking algorithm. Which pet sitters do we decide to show first? How do we build out their calendar so that they can very easily indicate to pet owners whether they're available, yes or no? I told you the importance of SEO. I'm a big believer that SEO is very much a technical game as well as many other things, but certainly also a technical game. So that one was very, very crucial for our early scaling. And I think other than that, um, yeah, look, making the product better for pet owners and pet sitters and having the realization we're not going to have a perfect product in the first years, but what are really the major pain points? And let's address those, a select few. 
Yeah, it makes sense. And you mentioned your North Star is the number of bookings that you receive. How often are you looking at that metric? Yeah, t- too much. I shouldn't shouldn't tell this, but <laughs> <laughs> I have this on my phone in real time. But um, look, the North Star metric early days was the number of bookings, and now it's it's still really the North Star metric. However, we started realizing that it's a lagging metric. There is nothing we can do today to significantly increase that metric. Whatever we do today will increase that metric in a week's time or in a month's time, or even some actions will increase it in, in six months' time, right? And so we started really looking at which are now the leading metrics that will have a ripple on effect to influence that uh, North Star metric. And for us, it's very much things like, what is the time for a new pet sitter who comes newly on the website to get their first booking inquiry? Because they know they'll be much more engaged when they get their first booking inquiry. Or what is the time in which we can get one customer to make their second purchase? Let's make that time as short as possible because we know they'll spend much more on the platform. These are now the metrics that, that I'm obsessed about and the team is obsessed about. And these are the metrics that are driving the future growth. And to your question, how, how often do we look at it? I do exactly daily, but it's probably a bit too much for what is yeah, good. But what is important is we put these metrics or the metrics that we want to focus on in a particular quarter in our OKRs, objective and key results, which are set at company level and then translated into all of the department levels as well as cross-departmental teams. And those are then translated into the individual's tasks levels. And so at any given time, anyone in our team knows exactly what projects they are working on, which metrics they are influencing and how they are influencing the company metrics that we are focusing on this quarter, which hopefully are, as I said, leading metrics which will drive growth in the future. Alexis, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given along your journey to date? Look, I think many, many, many. I think the one that I'll bring up now is hire really, really good people because you definitely can't do it all yourself. Yeah, maybe you are, at least me, not certainly not the smartest in the whole team. So it's really important to surround yourself with people that are very smart in their areas and that work really well together. And I think great companies are built because of great people. And I think investing the time there as the founder, CEO, going through all the interviews, um, being very close to the team, I think this um, will help the business a lot. Great. So what's next for MadPause? What does the, the future look like five years down the path? Look, so today I think we do a good job delivering pet sitting. What do you do when you go on holidays? I think we do a good job of delivering um, needs for pet owners, for busy pet owners, such as dog walking and daycare. I think we're doing an increasingly better job at locking these services in a subscription type arrangement, which I think is, is convenient for both pet owner and pet sitter. And from a business point of view, works really well as well. But I think what we're actually building now is something very powerful. You sign up to MadPulse for a very emotional decision when you go on holidays. Yeah, uh, You trust us with your pet. We then also offer dog walking. So now suddenly we are in your life weekly. Your dog is having weekly walks. We think we're now in a perfect position to start solving other, so other pet owners' needs with um, other pet, pet solutions. And so there are a number of very interesting things on the roadmap that we think will have huge effects for our future growth and huge effects, huge positive impact for our pet owners and pet sitters. And uh, yeah, hopefully in uh, six, eight months, maybe there is another 
opportunity for me to come on my on this podcast and show you what we've done. Sounds great. Watch this space. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today on Founders On Air. We really appreciate your time and being so generous and open with sharing such great information for our listeners. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot as well. Excellent. And so coming up next week, we'll have Will Davies, uh, CEO and co-founder of Car Next Door. It's bye for now from Founders On Air. You've been listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum a podcast designed for founders by founders to help you scale your business. For show notes and to ask questions for future episodes, go to foundersonair.com. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time.